Welcome to Shadow Life. Hello, everyone. <laughs> We're welcoming back one of our favorite guests on the on the pod and in the show. V10. How are you, bruv? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm excellent, mate. How's things been going since we uh, last spoke to you? Um, same old, same old, yeah. A bit, le- bit less of a lockdown, but... Mm, yeah, it started to ease up a bit, hasn't it? Exactly. Interesting. So, bruv, we, uh, we've spoke first time. We, we, we know about your love for Formula One, and that was a quality discussion we had. Uh, today, we're going to talk about your actual... Um, uh, I don't want to say your first passion, but maybe let's say your second passion, the economy. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the economy, mate. Yeah, let's do it. What um, is, what, well, what is, how big is this impact, mate? Like how oh. big is COVID impacting us as an economy or to the economy and just walk uh, us through this all, mate. Well, conveniently, uh, GDP figures got released today. So I can tell you that's 20, like our economy shrunk by 20%. So we lost a fifth of our output. And I think we've got around, what, 9 million people on furlough or 8.5 million. Uh, so, yeah, the, the short answer is it's been big, very big. How would you um, judge it um, in comparatively in terms of historically, like, you know, this actual, oh. uh, I mean, this sort of period we're going th- through at the moment? Yeah, I think this is the biggest reduction in GDP output probably since the second world war um or since maybe even records began um so it's quite unprecedented but it's very different to any of the other recessions we had because it's kind of a self-imposed recession before like the last time we had such a big drop was because we were fighting a war and we kind of like well we were forced into it you could say but this one is like completely voluntary we chose to lock down the economy so in that sense, it's quite unprecedented to see such a massive drop in output, self-imposed almost. Yeah. You know, in your opinion, the way um, the government has handled, handled the economy during this sort of pandemic, Yeah. Um, how do you sort of think they've done just purely on this sort of um, issue? And what would you kind of suggest if you were to do anything different? Yeah. Uh, well, in terms of the pandemic, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to the economy, they did what they they sh- what they could and should have done. It's basically shouldered the burden for now, um, because if not, if they didn't intervene, you would have had like massive disruption of all like uh, of all the markets and like uh, systems of production. Because the people who would go out of business would have would have done so necessarily because they were running a bad business. So you would just like wipe out. Uh, employment and productive capacity so uh, in that sense they did the right thing uh, well you could this is more veering into like how they handle the uh, pandemic maybe if they locked down a bit earlier we would have been able to get out of the lockdown a bit earlier as well because uh, it works exponentially isn't it no yeah that makes sense um you know you when you quoted sort of the figures at the start uh, yep. gdp reduction um <clears throat> just to give us like just to give everyone sort of an understanding of what that means. What does that mean to the general layman, like me and you and other people here and there? How does that affect them, like, at first oh. hand? Do you know what I mean? 
So GDP is, is like the uh, national measure of income or value added. So it's basically what do we all produce in a given year. So it just sort of gives us an indication of like how well we're doing like in a material sense compared to last year almost. Um, so it, the number itself doesn't mean anything for you personally. So if you have a job and GDP goes down, it's just a statistic for you. But on a society level, like if GDP goes down, that's paired with uh, higher rates of unemployment, uh, lower standards of living. Because if the total income of a nation is reduces, unless it, it's all bought by one person, which is very unlikely, and you'd be very unlucky. Um, it's it's just a reflection of like everyone's income, so it's more of an indication as opposed to something that directly relates to your life. But you can like. You can use that in your day-to-day -day life. So if you know the GDP is going down by 20%, it gives you an idea of like what the economy is doing. So if you're starting a business right now, it would be a challenging time. Or um, so, so, so if, yeah, I hope, that, I hope uh, that made sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, fair play. Um, you know what you said about um, people on furlough, like the, the numbers are quite astronomical, I guess. And like you said, yeah. it was self-imposed. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Um, there seems to be a stigma, I think, more and more as the lockdowns uh, seems to have developed, that there are a certain faction of the population who are on, on, on furlough. And yeah. that basically, that is the taxpayers' money, kind of, which they're using. Yeah. There seems to be a stigma that when things kind of revert back to usual, that these people should be made more accountable, basically, for, for yeah. the general public helping up. What, what, what would you say in response to that um, from maybe a government point yeah. of view and also from a public point of view? Uh, I'm not sure if I share that sentiment because uh, the people on furlough or those industries didn't choose to be on furlough. So um, they're working on an operation uh, on the sorry, assumption that they can operate with people being close to each other. So like if you're an airline, um, you could make an argument, maybe you should have planned ahead that there might be a pandemic, but um, would you have flown with the airline, which was slightly more expensive because they uh, planned for a, uh, a pandemic? Mm. Probably not. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a difficult one because yes, there, there will be weaker firms that will be propped up by this like state support and loans. Uh, and they, but I think they will struggle because it's not like we're back at full capacity. Furlough is not full pay. You're taking away 20% uh, of people's uh, wages. Um, well, that's at a maximum as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think if employer can top it up, I'm not sure, but. Oh yeah, true, true, yeah. yeah. Either way, the, that money is coming from somewhere, like either the employee or from the employer itself. Um, so that, that, I think that's the main reason as to why to interfere intervene into the economy normally when you have like a big recession like for example in was it 0809 it was like more of a systemic uh factor mm. uh led to the recession while well, we just basically had like too many bad loans and you have to kind of work it through the system even though we propped it up there were some casualties and there was like like righteous anger i would say that's like why are you why are we bailing out these banks that made these bank lo yeah. bad loans mm. but if you're like for example in the travel sector you can't really blame like um, British Airways for like yeah. a bat falling into a soup or something. 
It's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they dropped it out of the plane, like <laughs> tactical. <isn't it>? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> now that's actually a good point though, because I know from the government there's been obviously well actually let's not say the UK government. Let's let, let's pick in particular yeah. the US US government. Um, they're sort of saying, you know, China's to blame, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. Um, but then if you compare it to 2018, 2019, no, that's wrong. 2000, 2008, 2008, 2009. Just a decade off. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's last year. Do we have such <laughs> a big collapse last year? <laughs> if we compare it to that a decade ago, yeah, 08, 09 yeah. Uh, financial crisis. Um, was there any repercussions for those people? Those people who caused the financial collapse, was there actually any repercussions? And that obviously they're talking about yeah. the US government going after China. Yeah. I know it's different because lives yeah. are involved in a lot, maybe a yeah. lot higher factor, but yeah. just general uh, economically. Yes and no. So like some of the firms were uh, allowed to uh, uh, die, uh, but uh, overall I wouldn't say no um, because the, all, I don't know if you remember, all the banks got massive bailouts. Um, mm, they were like, tightening the belts for a bit but not that long afterward they're paying out big bonuses and like making like record profits again well that's the uh, thing mate those, those those um the sort of um those bailouts that they received how long would it have taken them to pay that back it's, it's like pocket uh, change a lot of it is pocket change for them no it's it not it was taking quite, them a long time it was quite substantial uh it, it but it kind of depends on the bank so it's like you can imagine if you're a bank that or any, comp or any company that was in a good position relatively, after the crisis, you'll be much more stronger. So yeah, I remember well, like certain banks like Deutsche Bank, RBS, they were like, well, they still are struggling, I think. Uh, don't quote me on this, but mm. that's my uh, understanding of it. But Well, yeah, I mean, but a lot of them merged together as well, which made their yeah. positions quite strong. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It, and, it's, and it's not just the banks. There's also sort of, like, this might be controversial, but there was also sort of fault to lay at like the general public itself that... Like they were giving out loans, a lot of like dodgy mortgages to yeah. people. But like, mortgages, yeah. Exactly. So they're basically high risk mortgages. So it basically means that the income <laughs> and the amount of mortgage don't really tally up. Uh, mm. But this, you can also make the argument like, well, not everyone got duped into getting a mortgage. Some people must have known that if you buy a mansion while working at Sainsbury's at the till. But I'm just I'm exaggerating, but that is... No, I get you. And to be honest, there probably are situations where that yeah. happened. But the so thing it's is... It's not black and end, white. It's not black and white. You're right. You're right. But it's also not, not that clear cut. If you're being offered yeah. almost like a deal of a lifetime on paper yeah. from people in yeah. an industry which you trust and respect and you hope that they will guide you in the right direction yeah. to, to better your life and better your lifestyle, then you would hope that you know you can trust them. But obviously, that wasn't their job. Their job was to act as salesmen almost. I mean, yeah, not yeah. They're incentivized to. They're incentivized of getting those mortgages in. So, um, like initially, when they first so when they first came up with the scheme, which basically it bundles our mortgages into like an asset, and then sells it on, uh, and then like the investor who buys the asset gets the mortgage payments, and so they get the interest and all of that. But obviously, you can imagine like after a while, you just run out of mortgages. So you naturally have to go to like lesser and lesser quality mortgages. And there was still, and I think there were some underlying assumptions, um, like for example, assuming the property price will always be going up. So therefore, like, even if it's a bad loan, it's all right. We'll just force that person to sell the house. Hmm. And like, 
buy off the mortgage and no harm done. Well, to the investor, the guy who got yeah. evicted probably isn't happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then obviously there's just too much of it going on. Um, and then it just sort of all collapsed around 2007, 2008, when people realized like actually these things are full of junk bomb, like yeah. junk assets. But I think I think one thing which is re- really intriguing about that era was um, the rating system. Apparently, there's mm. a, the rating system where they were really, like you said, they they were junk bonds. They were packaged yeah. as junk bonds, but they were given almost a seal of approval. Yeah, uh, so it's like someone seen the inside job. Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> to be honest, uh, I, I'm not, I think I might have seen that like a decade ago. <laughs> that is what happened, right? Yeah. So you might. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing that so it's all about incentives in that sense because um, the the rating agencies are paid by the people who are making these products. So if you're paying someone to rate your own product. Uh, I guess there is a bit of an incentive for like um, the rating agency to be a bit more nicer about your product than they should be. Cause um, if you're too critical, then they might just go to a different rating agency. So it's a bit of a perverse system. I don't, well, I don't, mate, the, I don't the know if any changes. Well, no, no, you're right. Because that the word you use is spot on perverse system. So why, why haven't they sort of been held accountable? And it might be well and good for people you know, talking about, you yeah. know, making documents about it, saying, oh, yeah. these people, they were in the wrong, but yeah. what actually happened to them? So in the aftermath, were they reprimanded? Yeah. In the aftermath, there was like a lot of scrutiny into it. I don't know if anyone went to jail uh, or like uh, faced like serious judicial repercussions. Um, I, so I'm not like an expert in the industry itself, hmm. but I imagine there has to, there must have been some sort of guidelines or like some sort of more oversight, but you, you still have that fundamental like uh, like weird incentive. You're paying someone to rate your own product. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like asking a football fan's opinion of their own team. It's got to be a bit more biased than yeah. the neutral fan. Mm. No, that makes sense to me, definitely. All right, mate. So one thing, and I know you sort of touched upon this slightly earlier, uh, but one thing I'm interested in is how does the potential current economic crisis that we're uh, very likely to be walking into uh, after COVID, how does that sort of differ from the, you know, the one a decade ago, the 08, 09 one? Um, so the underlying reasons, as I mentioned before, are different. So before there were a lot of structural issues um, that led to like a sort of market correction in um, 07, 08, 08 uh, 09. This one is like from because of an external thing, like uh, that bloody bat. <laughs> You're not gonna let that bat go, are you? No. I'm not. <laughs> um, bat. Yeah, no, I know. I hate all bats now. Bats, Batman, everything. <laughs> even even Robin. <laughs> He's an accomplice. Yeah, but you love the Batmobile, right? You think that would be uh, yes. any car in a Formula One race? Uh, I wouldn't say that, but it, it looks all right. <laughs> <laughs> but back to uh, the serious answer. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is because of an external factor. So we, at this point, we don't know uh, the cost. What, what big differences compared to the beginning stages of that recession is um, this: a lot of the costs are borne by the government. So the government has stepped in and is keeping businesses afloat. 
Um, so, bro, last time around, you had like a few banks and like businesses that went under. Um, was it Northern Trust or what's that bank called again? But Northern Rock. Northern Rock, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the one that went under. And like, in America, I had, uh, was it a Lehman Brothers? Lehman Brothers, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that triggered it off. But I think before they had burned Stearns or. Bear Stearns, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, you just repeat what I say, but I'm more confidently. <laughs> I feel like I want to quiz them or something. <laughs> I could have said anything, PPT, and you're like, yeah, PPT. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there, bro, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the point is, this time around, the government is bear, uh, burning a lot of the costs, uh, and, and it kind of makes sense, because uh, if you look at interest rates, they're effectively zero, or actually a bit negative, if you look at like real interest rates. So, in, in a weird way, uh, borrowers, I mean, um, uh, people who buy government debt are actually sort of paying the government to take on their debt which is a which is quite like a weird situation so in that sense it's it's like the, like not wait what does that mean sorry sorry to jump in between yeah, what does sorry. that actually mean can you explain what that actually means that statement you just said like a negative interest rate the the government buying back people's debts uh, how does that so work in practice that, that's something different that's quantitative easing and that's basically money printing uh, but the government has a as effective zero interest rate, so that's basically you know like it's similar to when you when you go to the bank and get a loan, you have to pay interest. Uh-huh. In the same way, if you loan the government money, uh, if you buy their bonds, you, you get a return on that. Uh, those returns are like or close to zero, or and like the inflation rate is not zero. So each year you can't you're losing up money because each year things are getting more expensive, but mm. you're not getting interest on like the money you loan to the government. <coughs> <laughs> what was that? You're right. Did I shock you? <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. I thought I saw a I thought I thought you uh, blew your mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> mate. That was my People are borrowing government money. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That was mind boggling. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a serious chat, mate. <laughs> I was running under false pretenses. <laughs> Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> <mate>. <laughs> What's the next? Fo- oh wait, wait. What's the follow-up question from that? Ah, <laughs> oh, mate. All oh, right. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, we had to pause that because there was just too much laughter going on. It's way too much laugh. All right. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, too much laughter going on. Thanks to my foolishness, we had to compose ourselves. Um, we're we're back, beaten. We're back, right? We're composed. We're right. Stronger. Yeah, well, there we go. All right, so I can't remember what we were talking about, but it was something to do with the government and interest rates, I believe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds you were fascinated by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it sounds like I was shocked by it, right? Yeah. That was, that's what made me hiccup quite profusely. <laughs> well, it's going to blow your mind then. Um, right. So, yeah, so we cover interest rates. So at, the, at the moment, like... Uh, interest rate on government debt is historically low. It's negative almost in real terms. So it, it would make sense for the government to take on debt to sort of support the economy. So, because if you think about it, if you let like businesses that are otherwise healthy go under, you're prolonging the pain of the recession because like once COVID goes away, those businesses would have to start from scratch. And, uh, and th- there's an argument to be made that newer firms, more innovative firms might come up, but it's still unnecessary like pain. 
Okay. Um, but on, on this COVID situation, there's a lot of industries which have flourished under this pandemic, right? And obviously there's, a, I'm assuming, a lot more which hasn't, uh, which has kind yeah. of come to maybe a standstill. What, what's the sort of economic theory behind that? Because surely that's something that's still taken into consideration where certain dynamics in the world, whether it's a, a war or like we're going through yeah. now, a pandemic, that, that must influence markets so much and different industries so much that isn't it kind of normal? Why does that sort of happen to cause a recession or you know, something so drastic? Because uh, you limit the potential for economic activity. So a lot of like economic, like the economy is just a series of transactions. And if you lock people down, that, that limits a lot of transactions because not everything is done online. Like you can't download a pizza yet. Um, yeah. So. No, I get that. I get what you're saying, a series of transactions. But isn't there maybe a set amount of industries where the number of transactions have just boomed? And is in our case where maybe these transactions, I'm not saying they're equal to a, you know, day-to-day life where people are going out shopping, uh, you mm-hmm. know, to, to high street, high street stores yeah. and whatnot. Um, but isn't there certain industries where they're in lockdown, they've had to rely upon so heavily where it's kind of not replicated, but it's come close at least to uh, replicating consumer purchasing. So what, what you mean by replicating consumer purchasing? Do you mean like the government support for, uh, uh, oh, no, I mean, industries. well, just generally, like, like, look at Amazon, for example, the amount yeah. of purchasing going on Amazon, that's boomed over lockdown, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying people are still purchasing, like, from yes. Amazon. So yeah. isn't that consumers still spending or is that a different yeah. model or is that a bad oh, yes. example? That's, 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 uh, that, that's what happens when you have, like, a, 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 a shock to the system that affects certain sectors more than others. Uh, it's just, like... People still need to consume on a, on a basic level. You still need to eat and have housing and uh, have adequate clothing. Um, but so they, if you can't shop um, in a, in a brick and mortar store, you would just shift that to uh, a online retailer, uh, which is like a natural thing to do. Um, and they're the big winners, uh, well, relative big winners out of this situation because the technology firms have like seen more and more demand towards their products because everyone like the conversation we're having right now is over uh over the laptop normally yeah. we'd probably meet up in real life or well, i hope so right. well hopefully yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no but, no but listen sorry Dubai, but just, just like you're saying when we're talking about consumers and they're purchasing yeah. the usual purchases so yeah we said amazon for example but it's not like they're just buying you know basic goods they're buying yeah. things to help them cope with lockdown they're buying Yes, yeah. say uh, gym equipment. They're buying maybe you know stuff yeah. to do outdoors in their gardens. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's, people that's, are that's touching, normal. Yeah. People adjust to the situation. So, if you have a situation where you're locked in house, then it, it then it doesn't. It's not rocket science to predict that gym equipment. I've, like yeah, I've, I've seen like literally dead weight being like five times, six times more expensive than it was before. Hmm. Uh, weight plates, I mean, and yeah, then. Yeah. Uh, and that's just that's just demand and supply. So if there is a, another, let's say there's another crisis that uh, uh, affects the water supply, that you'd imagine water to go up. Or if there's a, 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 a crisis that like destroy the cotton crops, hmm. then that would like lead to an increase in uh, prices of clothing, and you would like see a more of a shift to non-cotton clothing. 
All right. <laughs> I couldn't think of any materials. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> like carbon fiber clothing, but it's <laughs> not a real thing. Well, no, no I mean, to be honest, I, I understand I'm, I may be asking a very stupid question. I was just trying to get to the basis of how the, how the economy yeah. no, reacts no, to this. It's, it's, you know it's, not, it's not a silly question at all, because if you think about it, uh, some of the purchases, they're, they're higher than what they should be. So if you uh, consider that, like I mentioned, like because of the government furloughing scheme, um, that means that demand hasn't like completely plummeted. Uh, people are a lot of people are still getting a, a portion of a significant portion of the wages and they're at home so they have like limited expenses uh, I should probably aware like commuting uh, going to work and like having a social yeah. life is quite expensive especially if you live in like a city like London so you have like in a sense people probably have more discretionary spending so one of the, the positive signs of this is that I think there's been like record uh, down payments on debt so, like I said, the, the main cost of this is borne by the government so far, not like consumers themselves. Okay, no, that makes sense. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, Vitan, thanks for, um, yeah, thanks for answering my silly questions. Now, um, <laughs> let's move on no to another, <laughs> another, <laughs> another concept, uh, universal yeah. basic income. So I yeah. wanted to know, uh, first of all, your thoughts on it. Um, if uh, a government was to introduce it into their... Uh, uh, you know, economy and mm. there's a legislation and um, how, what, what, what is the sort of potential ramifications of it or mm. the, um, the benefits? Well, yes, it's an interesting question. Like, uh, it's quite like a, a topical issue at the moment. So there's been like trials in Finland and like uh, Andrew Yang, who's a uh, politician in the US, it's been like floating the idea or like backing the idea. And a lot of like, uh, funnily enough, you have a lot of supporters on both the left and the right of the political spectrum. So you have like tech billionaires and people you would think as like very libertarian who are in favor of it. And you also have like the left wing um, that are in favor of it. Uh, I think it's so, yeah, UBS, you probably know, it's just everyone gets a standard payment and it's up to them how they want to top it up. And, and and in theory, it sounds like pretty appealing and, uh, and, uh, and there are some definite benefits to it. Although at this moment, I think it's a bit too early because you have too big of a proportion of the economy that's dependent on labor. So it would have to come from other people's wages uh, to pay for the UBI at the moment. But I think as we like move more and more into the future, so like you probably like notice that more and more of the production and more and more of the economy is being automi automated, you know, like robots and like, like i guess in the future you have more and more use of ai that's going to take potentially more and more jobs away mm -hmm. so that might mean that income will be concentrated to the people who own robots and machines as opposed to people who own labor like people who just work for a living um in that case a ubi would be necessary almost because like you, you can't just have like an underclass of people and robots doing a lot of productive work. But don't you already have an underclass of people? Yes, but this will be like even bigger. So, um, uh, and so it passes a certain threshold where you ex you're exactly the government yeah. has to act, or yeah. Well, but, uh, no one can predict the future because there's also a theory like as more and more jobs get replaced by uh, 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 automation, automation, and robots and all of that. 
you also have the argument that people will find more other other jobs other areas to move into so free people up like who would have thought like if you told a person 100 years that you'd have jobs like dog groomers and and i can't think of anything <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's silly yeah, they would have yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> he's got a messy dog about the sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> they would they would have thought like oh what you're on about so but maybe in a, in a couple of years time we would, there'll be other jobs other like jobs like social media influence or um, yeah, they weren't true. they weren't around about 20 30 years ago now you have like a whole industry <clears throat> worth yeah. billions based on it so yeah no, that's... that side of the coin that is a good point but i mean the yeah i mean what's stopping someone from taking advantage from this ubi right from someone who doesn't have any intention of working and putting something back into the economy and also what's mm. stopping what's what what what's okay well sorry let's start with that question first yeah let's let's start with that one first which one What's stopping from uh, someone? Oh, yeah. Well, someone sort of taking advantage of that situation. If, if the UBI was to be introduced, like them uh, saying, yeah, I'm not going to work. I'm going to put my feet up. Nothing. nothing. If the, that's, that's the whole point of the system. Like if you decide to, if you're, if the UBI is set an adequate level for you, you have the freedom to do um, nothing. So, but on a policy level, yeah, that has some like, how will this uh, incentivize people? Uh, because if you're giving a basic income, what are they going to do with it? And that's one of the experiments they're like well, they're trying that's one of the things that the experiments are trying to find out so i think finland had a trial run i think a canadian city mm. or an american city they they tried it out and i don't remember exactly what happened but i think it was actually it didn't have that much of an impact on employment but the type of employment because um, if you're like freed from or to an extent of like providing the basic necessities you're more likely to move into or take a gamble on jobs that are not necessarily as secure as they were before. Like if, if you have like oh, writing, yeah. painting yeah, or yeah. like, so, yeah. And, and people take a bit more risk, I think. Um, but you, so, you know, those, those countries and cities you mentioned where they experimented with it, did they yeah. have like, I'm talking about the basic level, you know, giving everyone a, a UBI. Did that, did that have a dramatic effect on let's say poverty, for example? Where people living yeah. on the streets. Oh, I, 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 I don't know is the honest answer, but I'd be. Yeah. It must be because if you give like the solution to poverty, most of the time is money. Like, yeah. Uh, and it, if, if even if it doesn't eradicate poverty, it would have alleviate poverty. Um. So and I think that's one of the reasons like UBI is appealing that it should reduce universal um, like poverty. Yeah. Right, in well, terms of, so yeah, just to add quickly onto that, in terms of yeah. like incentive to work, it's 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 difficult because we uh, we haven't done it on a large scale. But I would imagine like people, it wouldn't change that much because people still work is not just income. A lot of people use it to like get some structure in their life, derive meaning, absolutely, uh, it's, it's, routine it's, and everything. Ex exactly, it gives a bit of a purpose. I think a lot of people have found that out, based, you know, down to lockdown. When they've sort of been yeah. De deprived of yeah. that, yeah, exactly. Um, like, yeah, like, no, like dog groomers, right? <laughs> <laughs> the backbone no of the economy. No offense, no offense to dog groomers, but yeah, that, <laughs> I think the backbone, the, <laughs> the backbone of the UK economy. That's it. They're the, they're the, yeah, the staple of the UK economy. Yeah. But um, now, nah, no, no disrespect to them. But um, 
Yeah, no, that's an interesting concept. I mean, I don't know if you've been in any sort of government talks or anything, but how close or how likely is it that the UK would adopt a principle such as UBO? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, at, currently, it's not at the top of the agenda. Uh, also, because like we have loads of stuff going on right now. You got uh, COVID, as... one thing. Oh, COVID. COVID. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> still, <laughs> is that still a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and we got uh, Brexit. That used to be like front page news for the last three Fuck years. Fucking hell! Is that still a thing? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's still a thing. Yeah. So oh, we're still shit. we're still. Uh, heading towards the exit supposedly on towards the end of this year um, and they have like wider world like issues uh i don't know the rise of china and uh, um, right. like it struggles in this us so hmm. uh it's it's yeah it's uh, it's hard to say at the moment but i do think as uh, if there is a shift from income from like capital so like robots and machinery and land and stuff um for, uh, like land tractors and stuff versus uh late uh, income from labor so like the ge value generated by what like people do at, at work then the 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 rationale and also the political push towards ubi would get stronger and stronger because if if all of the income shifts to the people who hold these machines then society will not function or like yeah yeah fair enough man fair enough the short oh, answer is i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no, you should have said that uh, 10 minutes ago <laughs> no I'm joking, I'm joking no that was interesting man but um, uh, going back to what you mentioned about Brexit I know you're um, I think you're I think we might mention you you're kind of involved in these discussions with the government um, you can't maybe mention too much um, is, is there anything you can tell us um, I'm working on supporting capacity uh negotiations um as any like economic analysis um so what's up with brexit well it's still ongoing and we're still working towards the timelines we set in the withdrawal agreement act uh and i'm still carrying on with the negotiations but obviously as you might imagine uh because of the covid19 a lot of uh government resources are directed towards dealing with that mm. um so yeah that's where we are at the moment so it's still ongoing so it's, it's it's pretty much on the back burner it's not really high priority is it or uh is it, it? it is yeah it is uh, and it's still on the agenda and we're still working towards it um but it's it's in the it's in the back burner in the sense that covid is just like taking up our attention mm. yeah fair. fair 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 all right so you say um all right it's negotiations still going on um it's, it's on the back burner, I guess, to the general public, but uh, in terms of government, it's still going on. So the, the other countries you're negotiating with um, and the EU, for example, like what's their sort of take on it? Is, there, is, is it their main focus or are they more concerned with like COVID and you know, how responsive mm. are they to these negotiations? Uh, I'd imagine it would be similar, like uh, those countries are dealing with crisis uh, in their own countries and healthcare systems. But I think with the EU, um, they have probably bought a bit more trade resources than the UK or any other nation would do because that's what they do. So they have like a whole, like a task force almost of people who do trade negotiations because that's, that's what they, the EU kind of does, isn't it? Just uh, deals with trade within the block and outside of the block. So I think 
they have more capacity probably more than than, than us to sort of carry on with it um but yeah I, it, again answer is i don't know no fair enough i know you're limited to what you can discuss about Brexit. yeah yeah um good point. what can you what i mean i don't know what to really ask but i, I want to know what can you tell us about brexit which is not um I don't know, breaking your little secret handshake or something. <laughs> so I don't. I can't go into. Something. Give, <laughs> I can't give us go something which, which will be a uh, you know an exclusive in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't go into specifics, but I could tell you it's ongoing, mm. uh, I, and we could talk about like the 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 the, the economics behind like joining a trade block and leaving a trade block. Yes. Um, yes. So, um, I don't know if you can handle the truth, so fucking hell, it's Jack Nicholson. Um yeah, uh, it depends on the question, dear. Uh, oh, let me say no comment for now. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> but yeah, depends on the question. Fair play. We don't we don't pressure anyone. Yet, but, um, <laughs> well you asked me what can you tell us? And I was like, there's loads I can tell, but not also can't tell. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Just be right. you, man. I'm always me. All right, listen. <laughs> no, I thought I was. I thought you meant yeah. me in it. Oh, no, you don't know worry. what I mean. Don't worry. All right, go on. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think our listeners heard the the start of that conversation, but it's fine. They can hear it now. But all right, V10. What I'm going to ask you. So, all right, we're going to go all the way back to the start with COVID. Yep. What can what can society, the general public, what can they expect from in terms of the um, the impact, the ramifications on the economy from COVID. Like, can you give us any insights into what's basically to come? I can, I can give it a general insight. I've seen, I've been seeing a lot of like forecasts. I put a number down it, uh, down to it. And uh, I'm a bit skeptical about those things because first of all, we haven't come COVID the situation itself hasn't been resolved and we don't know when it's going to go away completely, even though, lockdown has eased up it's still not business as usual um and we still don't know how long we will be before we get back to like the status quo so i have a lot of like reservations and questions about these models that sort of say oh the uh, we will lose 10 percent, house price will go down by five percent i'm like how how do you know when how, how did you factor in when the medicine uh, will catch up and be able to like get rid of this problem mm. um so if at all right well, yeah, exactly. Well, I hope I'm confident that we will like come up with a situation, um, come up with a solution for the situation. But how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've uh, just uh, based on history and like uh, we've eradicated other diseases. We've overcome other influences. Like we had like the Spanish influenza at the early nineteenth uh, century, twentieth century. Well, we haven't eradicated a lot of diseases before. We haven't got exactly vaccines for every single disease out there, to be honest. No, we haven't. But There's we still have, stuff but like HIV and shit like that. Though. We've never it, found a cure for all that, right? HIV, I think, at the moment is manageable. I don't think they found a cure, but I think they, if you people can like manage it and live a, live a life, a bit like diabetics or something like that. Well, that's what uh, I mean. We've, we've not found a cure for a lot of these yeah. uh, things. So, I mean. Uh, Sorry, but we, ha- I we have found. I, I have found. Well, I have. We have found cure like <laughs> vaccine. He's found it's vaccine. Like- <laughs> He's giving us our front page story now. Finally. Um, what was I saying again? We have found vaccines for a lot of diseases, like was it like polio is almost eradicated. Uh, the 
the measles, chickenpox. Uh, I don't know what happens to the black plague that got eradicated over time. Wait, so is, it will go po- away. is there a vaccine for chickenpox? Uh, I don't know, man. Is there? Yeah, same. I just thought you, if you get chickenpox when you're young and it's fine, you're you're healthy. Yes, yes. I don't know. I, I don't know. What yeah, I was just listing all all the diseases I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry, we we, we completely went off on the tangent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I need to read up the next time, <laughs> like on everything. Yeah. No. Right, we'll, we'll get you back in. All right, carry on with the question. I've forgotten what the original question was. But I, don't <laughs> I think it was about the what, what, what the impact of COVID would be on the on the economy. What we might it. expect. That's it. That's uh, it yeah. So we we can expect a a recession. We are in a, probably in a recession already. Um, I think recession is basically defined by two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And I think we we definitely had like negative growth this quarter because it's minus twenty percent. So there's no doubt about that. I think last time we were negative as well. Uh, well. Either way, we're going to be in a recession and output is going to be uh, depressed. Uh, unemployment uh, is, will continue to be quite high for the foreseeable future uh, until we like get, like get to a situation where we have this COVID under control. That's when we can make like a bit of a more realistic forecast as to what might happen. So, yeah. I, I, again, I think, I don't know. I think, with like a lot of macroeconomic modeling, they 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 hardly ever get it right. They work on paper, but not in the real life, not in the real world. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming you're anti-macroeconomics then, from that standpoint. No, no, as a no, <laughs> not, not exactly. <laughs> Let me guess, are you microeconomics? <laughs> <laughs> well, micro and macro, they're, they're they're both like part of economics, but potato, I, potato. I, I suppose micro is more. Uh, measurable in the sense that you can do experiments and stuff like that or uh, whereas macro is, it, is a bit more Vitan, isn't is a macroeconomics just like the sum of all parts for microeconomics or is that completely uh, like, untrue you would, uh, you would think so and it would make sense and it, and it should be uh, but like it's a bit like a, you know the study of the universe where like the slightly different rules at the uh, quantum level and different rules that like at like uh, gravity and all of that, so they do two different theories. Mm, you familiar uh, with that? I'm okay, basically, <laughs> <laughs> just just read a book, man. <laughs> I'll give you all these sick metaphors. <laughs> I'm reading the wrong books. <laughs> uh, short answer is uh, not really. Um, so macroeconomics got its own uh, like theories, but they are still underpinned on like common like assumptions across the two um and i think as like the theory is developing with like i think with like uh, more and more computing power and that allows for like more and more simulations to be run so that you can like replicate uh like you can build a model up from the ground up basically from, from the bottom up so it's converging but uh yeah there's a there's a reason why they're different so, uh, fair enough fair enough man all right, listen, a uh, question I wanted to ask you, I thought something we were talking about before we, um, before we jumped on there was about um, the difference between the economy. I think I've got this right. I think I'm right in saying difference in the economy and the um, stock market in this sort of current predicament that we're in. Yes, it's, it's kind of... Can you of, give us more detail? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of oh, like a weird situation, isn't it? I don't know if you've followed the stock market recently, um, but it's doing... Oh, I wouldn't know where to start, mate. Um, the FTSE 100 and 
stuff like ah, that. Ah, okay. <laughs> thanks for that. So, <laughs> but you, you know, you know what I mean. You, all the indices uh, yeah, have yeah. Do, been doing remarkably well, considering like all the doom and gloom. Um, why that is that like, though? Like how and why? I don't. I don't know. I think like like, like the stock market is slightly different to the actual economy they're like related in some sense like like the performance of a firm is related to the price of its stock um but i think my what i think personally is basically a lot of people still have uh their incomes and still need to put their money somewhere and the stock market is the only place that like gives a return because like i mentioned before like interest rates are zero for savers and for like lending money to the government. So if you keep, if you, it's the only sort of investment that sort of like could give you a return on your money. And I think people are just sort of like piling into the stock market. Um, but yeah, yeah it's but, weird. But this goes back to that question I asked earlier that, I mean, we, we, we claimed it was a stupid question, which it may well be. How we were saying how consumer spending in terms of the, the high street and all that may be reduced, but in other sort of facets it's still quite high it's, it may be increased and um, does that not affect the stock stock market and if so why is that not on par with um the economy in general but why is this yeah, uh, yeah i see what you mean um to, to some extent but it, i think also the, the the stock market it never looks at the situation as it is now the price reflects people's expectations of the future. So a lot of people are, are looking at these firms that have like reduced income, uh, reduced dividends, and that should normally like push the price of a share down, which, which it has done, like don't, don't get it wrong, we're not back to normal, we're still below the peaks we hit in 20, uh, early 2019. Um, but people are expecting it, when they're expecting these firms to survive this recession, uh, this crisis, and then uh, get back to normal. So they're kind of banking on like uh, things returning to normal and these firms to still be around and still be successful. Um, so that's, and, and it all depends on like a V-shaped recovery. Um, basically means that like the minute we get rid of COVID-19, economy will quickly pick up to where, the, where it was before. What happens if we don't get rid of COVID-19? What happens if it becomes a sort of systemic part of society? How would that affect the economy? Would it, would it be a case that the economy, the, the whole, you know, the way we live our lives has to change? And I mean, obviously that, that, that is the case, that would be the case, but mm -hmm. how would that affect the economy then? Would that just mean we're in a free fall or would that just mean new sort of measures, new sort of... Um, Do you mean if COVID-19 becomes a part of the systemic thing or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I suppose uh, it's hard to say. Um, I'd imagine we adapt to it and find ways to it. Um, but I'd imagine the economy eventually will like recover itself because you'll find ways to sort of like live with the live with the virus. But it won't be as high as it could have been because you would divert resources that otherwise would have gone to other things to now being able to manage a, a pandemic going on forever, basically, because you, you would need uh, masks and gloves and uh, whatever, uh, hand gel more well, mate, for, you know, forever. Mate, honestly, this, this is exactly what I was saying earlier in the sense of other industries boom 
when other industries fail based on what's going on, whatever the yeah. sort of world situation is. So what I'm trying to say is how come it's so easy for the, not, well, not easy, but like you just said, you said we would adapt. So how comes, yeah. in a, how comes something so uh, fundamental in our lives and our society can adapt so sim- simply, maybe the wrong word, but I'll, I'll just say it. So simply, yeah. like, what's the reasons behind it? Why, why is there any sort of economic struggle ever if it can easily adapt to any changes in life, basically? That's the, th- but that's the thing. You, you can't always adapt. And normally it's a good thing. Like if it's, uh, uh, if it's uh, like things that reflect structural changes. So for example, Kodak isn't the biggest um, f- like photo imaging company anymore because we have moved on from that. Uh, whereas COVID is a temporary shock to the system and eventually it will go away. Well, that's what we're banking on. So right. therefore, therefore, if you get like if you get rid of that, then if you get rid of the support for those industries like restaurants and uh, travel, it's very it's very it's very unlikely that those will that those will be on that won't be needed by society in the future. It might accelerate trends. So it might accelerate like trends towards working from home or um, more online shopping, and we were already going to that direction anyway. But it's it's not it's it's not the natural it's not a structural change it's not a natural change if that makes sense it's like a shock to the system no i get you at the moment it's a shock i mean yeah the the restaurants example i guess um we said yeah the restaurant industry yeah they suffer but then you would turn around the flip side and you talk about maybe you know food delivery services increasing astronomically almost during a lockdown yes and then if these restaurants jump on board then they might be part of the bandwagon, right? So that's the flip side of it. But you have to imagine uh, those restaurants, uh, they have still have a lot of uh, cost and overheads that are associated with, with you know, dining in. Well, no, they still well, have to, they still have to but, pay those costs. Well, bro, if you think about it, I mean, this is my observation. I'm no expert. I'm, I'm probably talking a lot of shit. But uh, you said it's the flip side. Everything seems like role reversal. Like, Talking about restaurants, yeah, their their costs, their costs of having waiters and you know yep. um, all, all these people who would have to serve you in a restaurant, that would just like no longer be required if you're if you're purely yeah, yeah. working on a delivery model. You know what I mean? Like the amount you make now from deliveries, that sort of um, mitigates the, the the need for maybe waiters or you know, yep. I don't know bartenders. Things that I'm not I'm not saying that's the way forward, but I'm just saying like in terms of if talking about the economy. Yep. Yeah, just that How very damaging that, is it? That might be the case, and like going forward, we might move towards more of a, a delivery system and like more of our media being consumed at home. Like I don't, like maybe cinemas might see a structural decrease in like visitor numbers, um, but we 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 don't know, and it's not happening naturally. Um, so, what do you mean when you say naturally? Sorry, sorry to button. Just so, intriguing. So, like, well, COVID nineteen is a natural phenomenon, I suppose, a pandemic, but. It is, it's, it is an outside shock. So it's like, uh, compare it like, uh, let's say you're like, you're training for a sporting event or something and you, you plan out. Well, like the base, egg, yeah, egg and spoon race or something. <laughs> if that's what you want to do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. So, very int- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> So, but like you, you can uh, you can look at like like you can look at the structure of it. You can look at your height, uh, your 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 body type, 
uh, and you're like your talents and like you can sort of like map out like okay this is what i'm going to be doing but say for example you get ill and that changes like how your body functions um you'd be more bedridden but i guess the flip side of that would be maybe be able to read a book which then you wouldn't change your life or goals or like trajectory based on a shock like that so once you're like once you're healed you you just you take medicine to like alleviate the symptoms and then you go back in the track you were before if it turns out that you're terrible holding an egg after all that training then you'd you'd have to progress to ufc or something like well you know that, that, that's the view of it. you actually hold a spoon which holds the egg so i, I do get what you're saying though, yeah um no, no that's an interesting concept is yeah economics just intriguing to me because it doesn't uh, i might be way off in saying this but it just doesn't seem like a normal sort of science it seems very it's, judgmental and very um it's it's not it's it's a very it's a very clear it's not as like clear cut as maths or uh physics or something exactly. like it seems very subjective that's, that's and very a really good point yeah and I, I don't really buy that i don't understand how something like that can have so much influence in the way we live in society <laughs> i mean i i get it it's, it's not clear cut but yep. it, it's it's hard to understand really uh, i mean it, it gets uh, a lot of things right but it also gets a lot of things wrong but it's it's a social science it depends on people and in a sense it's almost like mass psychology uh, or mass behavior but I mean, people um, are the most unpredictable exactly, sort of yeah. commodity commodity you can have, right? Exactly. So that's that's the that's the inherent sort of risk of the subject, I suppose. Like math sort of like behaves itself uh, the same on uh, and like physics, like you can yeah. like sort of use, do experiments. No, yeah, absolutely. And economics, it's it's a lot of it's based on assumptions and like people being rational the whole time, and um, it that not that might not be always the case, like the. There might be runaway effects. Um, that's that's a good point, I, I, and I think like the like the economics faculties sort of recognise that now. Before like oh eight oh nine, and there was a there was an arrogance I think to the economics. So basically, what happened was like it got very quantified. So a lot of maths and stuff and complicated models and extrametrics hmm. uh, and statistics, which yeah. kind of blurred the fact that it's still based on certain assumptions and it's like you mentioned it's just a group of people buying and selling and making things yeah. no it's really interesting man. really interesting so Vito, one thing you mentioned like i think very early on in the pod was the um shit i'm, I'm I fucking i've forgotten the name of it quantitative 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 easy i was struggling there man i'm not gonna lie <laughs> no, but yeah, you sure. mentioned it there and um yeah it's uh, some stuff i've read about it, like can you can you just go into more detail about that exactly? Uh, so quantitative easing is basically money printing by the central bank. Um, so the central bank is uh, um, is the one that issues currency, money, and what it does in uh, when it says it, it's quantitatively easing is is basically buys up government debt from investors with like money made out of on its own balance sheet so it sort of like invents money out of thin air and it buys up government debt so that pushes the interest rate down and that gives a bit of lee that gives a bit of leeway to governments and the economy because it pumps a bit of money into the economy um so that's what it is in a nutshell so it's like it's almost like money like printing money basically um so 
and it has got its risks to be fair because like as you can imagine like if you just print money then you get a thing called inflation which is like uh, all prices going up because mm-hmm. uh, if you increase the supply of money but the, 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 the demand of goods in the economies remain the same what's going to happen is that prices are going to go up all right so that's the risk side of it but we haven't seen it now but it has happened before in the past in the 1920s with uh, Germany and like recently with Zimbabwe. I don't know if you remember like Zimbabwe and so like trillion pound or billion pound uh, notes. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember Zimbabwe, but I know the example you talk about Germany where they were mm. literally like products yeah. were going for sky high prices. And yeah, exactly. Probably came up in history. Yeah, their bills were basically worthless kind of. Mm. Yeah. That, so that's, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. That's, that's the risk of it if you overdo because it's, it's think of it this way. It's just like if you keep on printing money, then you have too much money chasing too few goods. Mm. Uh, and, if, and also it's about expectations. So if you expect your money to be like worth less tomorrow, then you're going to be increasing the price because you're anticipating that your money is going to be less. So that's like the extreme outcome of money printing or quantitative easing. Well, if you've got too much money in circulation, how do you mitigate for that? Like, what do you do as a well, government no- uh, that's that's a, uh, if you have too much money, then I, uh, normally what happens is they. Why do you, they Why don't you just give it to the homeless? <laughs> is that not a solution? Well, you get this. You might solve poverty. Well, if you give it directly, like it depends on how much you do it. So you have to take into account, like for example, if there's a recession, that means there's a fall in demand, and like uh, if you print out money, that can sort of like prop it up. But if you do it too much. Like one of the reasons why Germany needed to do it is because they had all these like huge debts because they had like reparations to pay for the first world war. Mm. So they had to print money. Um, but if you give it to a homeless person, it works to a certain extent, but if you, well, yeah, well, mate, it, if you give it to a homeless person, when you increase demand, because suddenly yes. the homeless person has got cash in hand, they can go and consume, they can buy yeah. food. They can potentially, you know, obtain shelter, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't that, help the economy or is that that's, very, that's uh, good yeah. no no it's in like i can see if you do it to a certain extent yes but if you carry on doing it then that money is going to flow into the economy and and it's not there's nothing against it there is uh well there's, no, there's, there's nothing against it anyway money is based money's just an idea like mm-hmm. like your pound it's only worth something because you believe it's worth something yeah well, not you believe something. The government tells you it's worth something, right? Yeah, but like you, you as a, the population as a whole believes that a pound, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. like a, 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 a like a banknote is worth that much. Okay. Like if you look at it intrinsically, it's worth nothing. You can't even like yeah. wipe your ass with it. Well, you probably uh, can. You try it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds painful, man. <laughs> well, when we everyone was um, you know, stocking up on toilet roll, what do you do? Yeah. Excuse the cash boy. There you go. It's your filthy rich. What do you do? <laughs> um, where was I again? So, <laughs> got got off track there. You're easily um, off track, on Book <laughs> statements like that, yeah. <laughs> Come on, you're supposed to guide the conversation, not like hey, guide I'm, away from the. I'm answers. taking, I'm, I'm taking it wherever it needs to go. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, it's like a roller coaster. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, there's too I much mean, cash in uh, yeah. society. So if if you know uh, if you're getting more and more uh, money into the system, regardless of like how it gets into the economy, eventually 
that can lead to inflation. But there are mitigating factors. But it's different right now because uh, you have deflation, which is the counterpoint, which is like basically like through things like globalization, automation, um, like better, like increasing productivity and also just subdued demand. That means that there is space for you to print money. So if no one is buying anything anyway, and like we're getting our stuff from China, which is really cheap and robots are making things cheaper, then you have more space to sort of print money. And also if you have like expert, if you can manage expectations of like people believe in you and don't think that you will run the currency um, to ship basically, you have yeah. more leeway to print out more money. Okay, okay. Uh, interesting concepts. All right, V10, I've got, I've got a bit of a far-fetched question for you, right? And this is something, it's not something I really advocate for, but it's something I'm just intrigued by. And um, all right, so if you're paying taxes, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, you get to the end of your sort of year and then you see where all your taxes have gone in terms of public services, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, you know what a really interesting concept would be? What, what would happen if you, if you were as an individual to be able to choose where your tax money went into? Now, I'm not saying all 100% of it, right? Because yeah. let, let's just say, uh, I don't know, a certain ratio of it would be put into, you know, just be spent as it is right now where the government takes control of it. That's fine. Let's say X amount of percent of it, I don't know, 25%, 30%, 40 whatever it may be. But you get to actually choose where your hard-earned money gets put in towards in terms right. of society. Like, so, would, would, do you think that would change people's opinions a bit and their mindset towards paying tax a bit slightly it could be um but you this is a system we kind of already have so you you vote for a party that should set out its spending priorities in its uh areas that's going to focus on in terms of the budget uh they might like backtrack on it i think that's why one of my suspicion is that's one of the reasons why you like propose such yeah. an idea yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, i don't think it would work practically as well because you would have like a, a proportion of the of the of the budget decided by a referendum and uh and and it and then it, it becomes quite difficult to sort of like administer it right because if you have like 20 percent of the budget um or like let's say 30 40 or whatever and you want to do that by rule of majority how would that work in practice? Like, how would you, you'd have to have like a Brexit campaign every year or every time you want to do it. No, but why would you need a Brexit campaign? Let, let, let's say, like I said, let's say, let's say 75% of the, um, the taxes the government controls, let's say 25% of it, the people control. So whoever wants to put, um, whoever wants to direct their tax funds into different public services and whatnot, that, 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 that sort of will just accumulate a pot of, uh, 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 some funds for yeah. that, um, that that sector, right? I don't, I don't see the, I don't, I don't understand where the referendum came into. No, listen, I meant like because if you have it by majority of rule, then you have to have to do, they have to do it by referendum, right? Because like it, it would be like uh, everyone gets to vote on where that money is going. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about individuals. I'm saying, let's say you um, wanted to put, let, let, let's say, as arguments say, seventy five percent of all your taxes is as it is now. It goes to the government, they control it, blah, blah, blah. They spread it across all their different public services and whatnot. Let's say 25% of it, you as an individual, 
get to choose where you want to direct that uh, money into. Yes, How, but like it wouldn't, it would be still a, a, a referendum in the sense that you just, one person wouldn't get all the power, right? Because you'd have to get enough people to vote for one area for it to go no, through. No, I'm not, I'm not telling, I'm not saying that one person has the power to vote for mm-hmm. all 25% of everyone's budget, everyone's tax. I'm talking about their oh. own individual contribution. Oh, I see. On they an individual basis. Cho- yeah, they get to contribute. They get to choose where their 25% contribution or whatever the, the, the figure may be goes So they come almost like a representative democracy almost. So like you, well, that's it. Then we'd have to, yeah. I'm uh, just intrigued. I think, yeah, like, that's a nice. Uh, I think that's more of a political sort of like uh, question you posed because and it would be and it would you would make the same arguments about proportional uh, democracy versus constitutional or whatever we have right now where like we have a first past the post system so like the 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 the, the elections don't reflect as you might uh, probably know already the votes necessary they reflect also the distribution of those votes. So like the conservatives didn't win like 95% of the votes or anything. They, they won it with a lot smaller number of total votes, majority. So. Well, yeah, that's like America, like in the sense of the raw numbers are not the, yeah, the, the person same... who wins the raw numbers doesn't get into uh, the white house. It's the person who wins the, uh, yeah. the most seats. Or, yeah. you know, collegiate well, votes, whatever. I'm not from this country, but my understanding is this, it's the same around here. Yeah. So, okay. All so right. if you so that so if you have like a more proportional system, that that might solve that problem. Because uh, the thing, also the thing is that you have to remember is that if you put it in a system like that, uh, the the majority might not always be right. So, twenty five percent or any is quite a substantial bit of the budget. Um, I think like. Debt payments uh, come close to it. Uh, uh, so for that to put into into that's it's something that's as uncertain as popular opinion might have like ramifications going forward. So if you if you put it to the popular vote and like it and it happens to be that it changes every year, because think about it, if you if you put it to that, you can all then you'll have a whole industry around it. So you'll have like a whole campaign system around it. So you'll have like people campaigning for their pet projects. Um, I get, I do get what you're saying actually. Yeah, so that's what I meant to, by yeah. the Brexit sort of situation. We might have like a, a debate and okay, yeah, that, 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 does solution? Make sense. that does make sense, but it does give the people a voice in the sense of, like you said, you can't, we currently have it in terms of you know, inverted commas, uh, democracy, which doesn't exist. No, that's that, I meant the opposite, saying, we, don't, we don't have it because we like the, the, the majority doesn't necessarily rule. That's like situation like in Europe, but we're similar to the US. That like, as long as your constituency win, the winner takes all. Yeah, 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 exactly. You don't vote for your who you want in um, at number ten. You vote for who you want in your um, county or council, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm trying to say. If you get a little bit back, if you get a little bit of control back, in the sense of how you're spending your hard-earned money in the form of taxation, like. But- it's with well if if you care about that you can just make a donation to that sector so no but why should you when you're already paying so much tax this is what i'm trying to say the, why should the ta- you? you so that's the cost of being a citizen i suppose 
So if you're, you're the, the tax is like to pay for the, what the government is set out to do, and you decide. Uh, no, but like 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 you said, in a, in a, you, you, in yeah, an it's, it's the, the government decides. But I'm saying, like you just said, you might not vote for that government. You might not agree yeah. with maybe. And you're free, and you're free, and, and and you're free, you're free to like donate the rest of your income towards whatever <laughs> cause you want to do. Yes, it's, it's, yeah, because uh, basically yeah, you're doing the same thing. Well, no, because you're you're asking to spend more, basically, aren't you? You're saying to spend more yeah. of your money if you're if you're if you're sort of um, I don't know political party or if if your vision of how you want to serve the public doesn't come into fruition, you're basically saying you have to spend more if it doesn't come into uh, if it doesn't come into power. Um, pretty much, because like you, you, there's never going to be a right level uh, for it to go to what like an individual contribution would add up to right um because you might think uh, you want to fund uh, defense but like i don't know if, if that 25 percent is what you would you'd maybe want to have 50 percent. so like my understanding of society is that you you pay your taxes and it's up to the government and if you want to do if you want to have like extra funding going towards a certain area that, that um that speaks to you or you want more of then it's up to the individual to to do it with the rest of their income yeah but well, the, the, well you're spot on what i'm trying to say is why should it be with the rest of your income what i'm trying to say is yeah fine you you do you 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 you, you contribute to society with your taxation no one's trying to change that what i'm trying to say is wouldn't it be quite nice is that if there was a proportion of your taxation where you could actually choose which public services you may be want this money to go towards. And there's no political argument towards it. Like they're set in black and white. Do you know what I mean? You, you get a, a statement or whatever at the end of the yeah. year of where your money has been put into. You might not agree with certain uh, public services, not, not agree, but you might feel strongly towards others. And I get what you're saying. You can, you know, you can contribute your own hard earned cash as well, but why, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be nice to have that, that, that opportunity to do that within the, the tax bracket. I, I don't think it'll work. Is that, that genuinely would, not feasible? Is that is that so far fetched where it just can't work? That's I, what I'm trying to get to. I I think it it would be it would be very difficult to see something like that because twenty like twenty five percent of the budget is significant or even ten percent because if you think about it like remember that that's an arbitrary figure we we just said that yeah just it, just it, out of example yeah yeah any figure is quite quite difficult to sort of redistribute because. Also, to go by major, like majority redistribution. So, like for example, the, the the government or people who you put into power because you trust them might well, have might have well, different no, no. Like, expertise to you and access to different information. So you might just let's say defund defense, but we know the Russians are sending boats over here. But you've taken out like a, a proportion of that income that could have directed towards defense okay well then let's say we have a pandemic on the horizon and the government are so shit scared that they start barking out save the nhs protect the nhs get everyone to go on the balconies and start clapping 8 p.m yeah. every thursday because they're so fucking desperate oh mm -hmm. shit what if majority society put 10 percent of their tax funds towards nhs and instead of society society defense. can donate so uh, well that's what i'm saying you're, you're asking society to pay more when yes. they can choose to redirect, if they had the opportunity 
to redirect maybe 5, 10, 15, so 20% if they, of their If they want to redirect, it would make, it would be a more efficient way of getting, an efficient way would be just to get a different party into power. Into power. Yeah, but how, how easy is that? You it's, tell me. You tell me. How easy is it to get different power? But that's, that's, that's why we live in a democracy. Maybe it's not perfect. Uh, like I say, it's not proportional. Um, but well, you, you kind of just already stated that um, the democracy sort of standpoint doesn't really exist in the sense of you vote for a constituency. You don't vote for who you want in yeah, making these it's, decisions. It's, it's still a form of democracy. Um, it's just a, it's a parliamentary. It's just a different parliamentary system, I suppose. Hmm. And it would make it would make more sense. It, like it would be very difficult to run like portion of the because like how do you plan it? Like uh, like think of it this way: you don't know what what popular sentiment might be next year. Um, so like if you if you if you're like in in charge of defense budget and you sort of have to win a popularity contest next year to get the funding in. That will create like weird incentives. Everything will be even more further politicized than it is. So if you don't, you won't, you won't know what, what, how much money you will get in the next future, uh, next like five years or so, or what, however long you want to set the intervals for. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. No, I just thought I'd pause, pose that question. It was something I was thinking about. And I was like, would this be something that in the future that could be implemented, or is it so far fetched that? Um, it can't happen. I'd, uh, I'd struggle to see how it would be implemented, both politically and like just on, on a practical level, and also um, just in terms of fairness, because uh, what's popular now might not be what's required, if that makes sense. Like the, like the NHS, like there's a, there's a lot of support, rightly so, for the NHS, but people really didn't clap for it when it's defunded or like gradually left to road over the last eight years it's just because now it's in the news and and like we need it more than ever we think about funding it but before they were they were basically being like gutted very slowly well that, that that's a prime example of people who might have gone through this pandemic and heard all the propaganda about uh, protect the nhs so maybe now going forward, they might realize, oh, shit, forget what the government says. They might pretend to care about the NHS, but in reality, it's yeah, actually but, people who care about the NHS. But it's, it's a bit of a risky move because like maybe, like, first of all, it would be too late. Like we would have been neglecting the NHS based on the information like we kind of have now. We would, we would be overfund, we were funding the NHS now and they'll be ready for a pandemic that will probably be over by the time they're like, they're able to... Um, to direct our spending and be ready for the next pandemic. But the next thing might be a cyber crime attack. And then we'd be like, ah, oh, wish, uh, and then we might be unprepared for that. Like electricity grid might be down. And because of like this program, we've been basically overfunding other areas of government as opposed to the area that we were crisis in. Or maybe we, just, we didn't think about the long-term impacts enough. Like we didn't prepare for 5G I, 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 or something like that. Yeah, well, fuck five G. But I, I do get what you're saying. What's your problem with no, no, broadband speeds? You're talking about conspiracy theories. You know, what? no, it's talking, not conspiracy. Five G doesn't like for the economic infrastructure. Uh, anyway, you I was talking it. to um, uh, Dr. Doyle about you know infectious diseases professor at one of these top schools, and um, yeah. we were talking about the cuts to sort of pandemics, right? 
yep. uh, pandemic sort of disaster. I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but the same thing happened in America when they sort of all cut budgets towards any pandemic sort of, um, uh, sort of, I don't know, like kind of Ghostbusters shit, do you know what I mean? Like searching for these pandemics and trying to mitigate them and this and yep. that because they know it's such a, it's one of the biggest things that can hit society at yes. any time. And like, does, like, like, like we does were saying, everyone know that though? Well, the government knows that, and that, like you just said, the government yeah, makes all the decisions. If you leave, if you leave the decision of that funding up to the like, private individuals, wait, what do you mean, private individuals? So you're if saying like, up to the government? Yeah, if a, your, I thought your proposal was to have a, a proportion of, uh, in like, uh, of well, your no, uh, no, tax well, income, no. tax yeah, uh, so, payments yeah, to yeah, go so, towards a certain area. Yeah, yeah, this is what I was trying to say. So what I was trying to say is. Now we know that that happened. Now we know that because it's so prevalent in the news that pandemics is uh, within the top three things that can destroy this earth at any given moment uh, alongside nuclear disasters and uh, climate change. Uh, people will be more willing, I'm assuming, to keep these kind of um, uh, groups and uh, industries alive uh, in the sense of trying to prevent this and trying to help us rather than yeah. defund it and you know stuff like that so what i'm trying to say is you learn from that it's not about saying you're too late it's not about saying oh now uh when i when we did the nhs example oh we're too late it's it might be it's an argument that oh shit if you're giving 10 percent or five percent or two percent whatever of your tax that you pay to the uh, to society um to the nhs they might now have billions more pp equipment they might be ready to test yes. that the moment a pandemic hits. So, so this is what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is... But, but some of that's already learn, happening, learning, bro. Some of that's already happening. So because of this, uh, the politics of will shift because people will be more aware of the NHS and they will be more... In, they'll, they'll listen more attentively to a party that actually says, like, we're promising to do this. So that's, oh, yeah. that will already happen organically. Yeah, no, I'm just intrigued. I'm just saying, like... It would be, I was just wondering, wouldn't it be nice? Not nice, I mean, I'm just saying, wouldn't it be quite intriguing if the actual individual in society had that kind of... Um, I get what you're saying, you have elections, you choose your political party, you choose your leader, blah, blah, blah. But wouldn't it be nice that when you know you hard-earned money in tax, if you had a little ratio of it where you could actually choose where I went to, that would be quite nice. I just, I just wanted the sort of ramifications towards that and whether it would be feasible. So indirectly, you, you do that by voting for the party vote yeah but we both know that's not true in the sense of you but might that's, vote for that's... a party and you know if i might if you vote for a party and that party doesn't come into power then technically you don't have that opportunity and that's probably that's going to be uh less that's going to be about 50 percent, let's say for example of okay. the population so i wouldn't say that's yeah that's everyone's sort of you know satisfactions come to come to life but yeah no i was just intrigued i was intrigued It'd be an interesting experiment, um, but I think it, like it wouldn't. I'm not sure if it would work in the practical, in the practical way. Fair play, fair play. Um, actually, the the more important point of this is it's it's not democratic at all. So if you think about it, if you're having a fixed percentage of your income that you can choose, a uh, fixed percentage of your tax contribution that you can choose to allocate as you wish, almost that would mean that the richest in society would have a greater say as to where that money goes because most of the tax happens to be paid by the higher income brackets and they're and they're a smaller group so their interests might not align with yours 
So they might be more interested in like private jet tax relief or something like that, as opposed to the NHS. So you, you would lose representation of everyone by that. So it would be undemocratic. Yeah, but if you're only talking about like a couple of percent, like one, two, three, four, five, whatever percent it may yeah. be, it's just like it but might the be the wrong, would have... it might, No, it might be the wrong way to say it, but isn't it kind of like a feel-good factor that you got to choose where that hard-earned money that you you earn, yeah, you got to choose where you put that towards. I'm talking about minimal percents. But I'm just saying the, the that would make a couple yeah. of percent is it's on a state budget is still material like a, a 0.01 percent is uh, it could be something that could change like the lives of many people and if you it, regardless of what the percentage if you give people it's just basic maths isn't it if you contribute more than your contribution but what's wrong with you have a more what, 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 what's wrong with that because if you gave your full 100 percent to the government they're going to split it in their own certain way anyway so yes, it's not as if it's not as if any yeah, any it, any section it, is getting. Um, uh, it becomes a common for why, why not have it like completely like them then? See what I mean? You said how you said how difficult it was. Well, no, because yeah, yeah, do... no, but let's say let's say it's it's like it, we work we will live in a world that you can have um, this system works. But why wouldn't you just say like oh, everyone gets to decide where the tax money goes? Well, no, like you said, which basically you... means there's no government. Well, exactly. That, that's why I'm not saying that. Because you do need that. What I'm trying to say is but, but that, that minuscule percent does help. Yeah. It helps so even you, a bit if, of morale and anything. Yeah, but if you agree with zero, if zero percent is no government, and you chip away by making a certain percentage of it like sort of like uh, voluntary, sort of like where pick where you want to put it, mate, then you, you're reducing the power of that government by five percent or whatever percent. Because five percent of that is not decided by that government. Isn't that democracy? Yes, but if you if you take away government, then it becomes like then you get ruled by that no one portion of the budget. But if you take away, like if you decide more and more, uh, like what 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 goes where in terms of funding, by like a by your by your contribution towards the economy, then you're eroding government. Also, you're making it a very unequal society because the richest in richest people in the country get more of a say. And they would otherwise, because you don't. I'm sure don't you don't they anyway. But don't they anyway? They do, but this would make it even worse. This would make it even more direct. <laughs> so it just because it's happening, it doesn't mean it should amplify. Because like, again, the most of the tax, uh, at least in income tax, is paid by the higher ta income tax bracket um, people in the higher income tax bracket. I think, or even like, or like a sizable proportion of it. So each person who's on in the higher income tax bracket gets more of a say per person than you so if you're if you're like a poor cleaner or a, um, working like long hours to make ends meet and you get to you get to pick a certain percentage of that tax payments you make to where it's going to go your decision will have less weight than a person who's paying millions and they're obviously everyone's going to pick for their own like everyone's going to be biased towards their own self needs so uh, the is, person less who is, on, is less weight better than no weight that's that's what i'm asking it should be equal that's the whole point of the uh, whole point of voting uh, in the voting booth you have the concept that everyone is equal it doesn't but matter if talk, you're rate talk, it doesn't matter no, how rich you are no we i get that completely but what, what we said earlier like 
the way we vote is different in the sense of we're not voting for who's in number 10 at the end of the day. Right? We're voting for... We are indirectly, in though. If not, we yeah. wouldn't vote at all. Indirectly. Yeah, indirectly. Yes, but, but that's... This is at least, like, indirectly or not, it's not perfect, but it, no, it's it still not, works. You know, I'm, if it I'm didn't work, we'd have more of an uproar. Yeah, I'm not even saying anything about us, but it's, I'm, just, I'm just intrigued by the concept of if we're paying this amount of tax, whoever you are, whatever, whatever your earnings are, like, wouldn't it just be a nice little bit of, I don't know, it might sound a bit blase and whatnot, but a bit of feel-good factor where you can choose that minuscule proportion of what you're earning, where it goes towards. And I know what you're saying. You're saying if you really wanted that, you can start adding voluntary funds to it and this, that, and the other. Exactly, yeah. It's up, if, if you care about birds. But why should you have to pay more? Well, like, when you're already because you because you you'll care about it more. Why should why should you pay more for a BMW than an Audi? Actually, no, 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 no. Don't go into cars. What I'm trying to say is you're already paying, <laughs> regardless of what your stature is. You're still paying shitloads of taxes, regardless. So why should yeah. you have to fork out of your own money more, more disposable income than you should? Because that's that's your preference. If you have a no. preference, if you if you care about something and you have the means to contribute towards it, what if you don't have the it's means? It's up to you. What if you don't have the means? Then you can't contribute towards it. Well, I know, but what, that's what I'm trying to say. What if the the what if the, the, the system was built in the sense of you could contribute a couple of percent or however, however small or big, I don't know, whatever the policy was, if it ever was to come to fruition, towards a certain public service or a split between public services, just to mm-hmm. satisfy your own, I don't know, like I said, morale and this and ever. I, I don't see it as being too far-fetched. I'm just intrigued by, is it that damaging to society and politically and, I don't know, admin? How difficult is it? I'm just wondering. It, it sounds quite difficult because, again, you, you can't plan for it. You don't know how... Maybe there might be a time when these like preferences might equalise over time and you know what's going to happen and then you can plan your departments about it. Like I said, do you really want to run the NHS without kind of knowing where like 85% of your budget might come. So you'd have I to trim I, I think I think you said 85%. That's, that's too no, much. No, 5%. 5% or so. Oh, sorry. Um, so you have the practical side of it. Again, like it, it would be, it would be, it would be, it would be not, it would be geared towards those who contribute the most. Okay. Because <coughs> the whole point of it, uh, well, not the whole point, but when you're in the voting booth, everyone is equal. So we all take a common pool of all the resources and we redistribute it. Uh, that's what the government sort of does. And, mm. But if you get to pick how the government is, where the government is putting that money, then, then a, a small, small proportion of that, why you're voting and what the government is there for, it becomes like eroded. Like the rich then get like more of a say. Hmm. They get more to say about that proportion of income tax. I mean, I still think they get more to say. I, I don't see the difference. <laughs> like, I just feel that in this situation, okay. everyone gets a bit of an input. Like, no, no, no everyone, everyone doesn't get the same level of input. because no, no one gets the same level of input now. This is what I'm trying but to this say. Is, this, is, this, would, this will amplify the problem like massively because think about it this way if 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 all of that money uh, like it is now gets determined by the government which got in there by votes 
that means that everyone's vote was worth uh, about the same. Well, kind of, because of like the way the system is set, where you live makes a whole, it makes a big difference. But if you allow people to uh, like uh, decide where a proportion of their income tax, tax contribution goes, then some certain people will have more influence on um, affairs, political affairs than others. Would you would you think if you if you were able to like only contribute fifty quid, and someone who can contribute fifty thousand quid, um, would you do you think they would have the same sort of like uh, needs or like preferences? No, I, I, I okay, I get what you're saying, but the thing is, at the moment, um, why have you paid? I mean, I get what you're saying. The the rich pay more taxes, so they they get their money is more spread across these public services and whatnot. Exactly, yeah. It's just that little, little tiny dwindling couple of percent, you know, right at the end where you're a bit like, mm, maybe, you so, know, should so I put it towards NHS? Towards, but there know, could like, be hundreds of millions NH or maybe billions. Well, there you go. Does that not, if you're saying the these rich people, I don't know, maybe they might put it all towards defense or something. And then you've got these hundreds of millions of people who might put it towards uh, the NHS, after after hearing all these clapping on the um, on their gardens and front lawns and shit like that, so yes, but then, then the economic contribution becomes for that little bit the main factor, and I, and I think uh, from a society side point of view, from a democratic point of view, you don't you want to treat everyone equally, regardless of their income or any other factor that could. Yeah, um, but I get I do completely I get what you're saying, but I just don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, because when you're talking about you're talking no because you're talking about equality that everyone should be treated equally that just doesn't exist that full stop I mean so yes that but doesn't this doesn't now. help this will make it worse like that's like saying like our inequality exists so Mars will go overboard with it mm, no fair play then that, that if 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 that's your assessment then fair enough because I don't know enough about it I just thought that'd be quite a nice idea but yeah if that doesn't help then I'm not no. going to really... It would make inequality it. it would make inequality worse unless like the tax is so distributed that everyone pays roughly the same into the system no, in absolute okay. terms. Okay, fair enough. If it doesn't help with inequality, if it, if it makes it worse, then I'll back down. But um, what you're saying about it being already an equal society and you know, people already get a democracy yeah. and a vote, then yeah, that's bullshit. All right, fair play, cool. fair play, fair play. <laughs> we love beating on this show <laughs> he's too smart for his own good it's only you there mate <laughs> man you're right man it's a it's a bloody difficult discussion to have man but it's just something i was intrigued by to be honest so yeah thanks for your input um no no worries, man. yeah and genuine man like thanks uh thanks for coming on again we appreciate it so much and everyone's uh Everyone loves having you on, so uh, hopefully we'll see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, cool, man. All right, All right people. Stay safe. Bye-bye.